Welcome. This is the Sean Sandifer Show, where we're building a community of free thinkers, innovators, creators, and entrepreneurs. We are a new generation of leaders and problem solvers who seek to build better communities, a better country, and a better world. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Sean Sandifer Show. I'm Sean Sandifer, your host. It's great to talk with you all again. I hope you are having a good day or evening, wherever and whenever you are listening to this. And if not, that hopefully listening to this episode makes your day or evening a little bit better. Uh, today, I'm going to be doing a solo cast. I'm going to be talking about a basic overview of different types of investment and or retirement accounts and providing some information that hopefully will inform people and, and educate people on the different options that are available, especially people who may not have much of a financial background or, or just wondering, you know, wanting to learn more or begin investing. This will hopefully be a useful episode to them. That goes for a lot of college students or people beginning to, to get started in their career. So again, I'm going to be doing a, a, a basic overview of some of the most common types of investments and or retirement accounts. But before I get into that, just some life updates. I am currently as I'm recording this, entering my fifth week of the semester. So I'm already into my fifth week of the semester for law school, and that's out of 32 weeks total. So I am now on week five of 32, and definitely things are getting, picking up. Things are, you know, the pressure is on, pretty heavy workload, and it it can definitely be exhausting at times. If if you haven't had a chance, I recorded uh, an episode, a back-to-school episode with my friend Jansen, who is a med student, and we talked about some tips to combat anxiety and burnout as a student. So if you haven't checked that out, check out that episode. Um, I'm definitely trying to practice what I preach now as I enter almost, you know, getting towards more of the middle of the semester. It's hard to believe that things are going that quickly, but in some ways I'm happy because the the sooner, you know, just putting my head down and getting to work because the sooner that I do this, the sooner I'm, I'm through school and this is my last year, so I'm looking forward to being done and having more control and flexibility over my schedule. I'm also proud that I've been able to keep up my my physical activity. Sometimes I struggle to be consistently physically active during the school year. In the past, you know, I that's a that's a priority that st- starts to kind of fall by. But I have done a pretty good job of keeping that up so far. It's really important uh, for me. I found that that to be not, not only for my physical health and that I can feel differently and I I can also see a difference, but continuing to be physically active, I found is really helpful for my mental and emotional health that can really help you get the good good chemicals flowing and counteract some anxiety and just built up stress or or tension. And so I, I try to make that a priority during the week to go to the gym or do something active almost every day. And so I found that to, that to be helpful. So that's law school. We're also getting ready to launch our fall menu at the Vagabond Eatery. That's our coffee and acai bowl business. And so we've been working on that. So by the time that you listen to this episode, that will probably already be out. It hasn't been announced on our social media channels yet, so I won't get ahead of it. But we are getting ready to launch our fall menu. We'll have a new toast, a new bowl, and then a few new signature drinks. Of course, as you might be able to guess, we'll have some pumpkin flavors on there. So they're pretty good. We just tested them the other day, and I'm happy with how those have turned out. So we're also working on an expansion element to our business. We're going to be adding a new 
element, I'll just call it an element. We're going to be adding a new element to our business, which we're going to be announcing shortly. And we've also been working on that. And it's just, it's a further extension and growth of our business model. So watch out for that. We're going to be announcing that soon. So we've been busy with that. The other thing I wanted to acknowledge is that life changes can be difficult, especially in your 20s. And for those of us who are students, life can be very transient. That's certainly been the case for me with moving back to St. Louis on a part-time basis and transitioning back to in-person classes and then coming back you know, part-time in Effingham and going back and forth. The changes that that brings, not only to your lifestyle in terms of the activities that you do, such as going to class and things like that, but also to your just your daily routine that you're used to, how it impacts your relationships, not being able to see people as often as you were or, or, or getting to know new people. And so those life changes can be very difficult. And I, I'm, I am in a period right now of adjusting to those changes from what I have been used to, especially over the last year and a half during, during the COVID period. So if that is you, I am right there with you. And I just wanted to, to acknowledge that for a moment. The other thing is we just had the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks. And so that's been a big part of the news cycle recently and just honoring and remembering that I did not post anything on my social media channels, which by the way, I'm at Sean Sandifer on TikTok and Instagram. And I just took the day off from posting on those because I just wanted to take in the content that other people were sharing and, and just kind of listen and and take a break away from creating content. Because a lot of times I'm more so someone who posts content and it's nice to just be able to take it in every now and then. And so I just I just read people's stories and and uh, remembered and was definitely thinking of that that day, even though I didn't personally share content about it. Of course, you know me, before I get into the financial stuff, I've got to make some political comments, which is starting with the fake news media is working overtime to politicize the 9-11 ceremonies to, of course, bash President Trump. And they're saying that President Trump did not attend any of the official ceremonies at Ground Zero with the Bidens, Obamas, and Clintons, or at the Flight 93 Memorial with President Bush. And they're using that to, to bash Trump and act like he doesn't care and all this stuff. But what they conveniently forget to mention is that instead, President Trump spent the day meeting and greeting various members of the NYPD and the FDNY, so the Fire Department of New York and the, the New York Police Department, and, and meeting people and speaking with people who were actually there, on who were, who were there on 9-11, many of whom are still in the forces uh, the police and fire forces in New York. President Trump spent the day thanking them and uh, for their bravery and their courage. And uh, by all accounts, he was very warmly received and they were very grateful that he was he was there. But unfortunately, there are many media outlets that are using the occasion to to say, oh, well, Trump, Trump didn't want to go to the 9-11 ceremonies because he wasn't the center of attention, so why would he want to go? You know, they're using it to like bash him and saying it's, he, it's always all about him. And so if it's not all about him, he won't go. When in fact... The opposite is true. Instead of going to the big ceremonies where all the cameras were so that he could be in front of the CNN cameras, he went to meet with police officers and firefighters in New York City, real working people who were who were there. And uh, I just think it's sad that the media uses that opportunity to totally push a false narrative, which, uh, th- which they did for 
for the last five or six years, unfortunately, about about President Trump. And also, why would he want to go sit there and play politics and play nice with the Bidens, Clintons, and and Obamas after all that's gone down with just just the 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 toxicity that's gone down and and also the the horrible Afghanistan pullout where our American interests were betrayed there the 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 interests of the Afghan people were betrayed and of course the work that our military members put in for the last 20 years since 9/11 in, in my opinion was betrayed by the acts of the Biden administration and so I just don't think that President Trump had any desire to go sit there and play nice and play politics with 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 the Bidens after all that's all that's happened, and actually I talked about this more in depth on my last episode, it was called Sean's Hot Take, and I talked about vaccines and Afghanistan, two of our major topics going on in our news, and I really did a full overview of what happened with the Afghanistan pullout by the Biden administration, and I think that's probably a contributing factor as to why President Trump did not want to go to the ceremony with President Biden, uh, just a lot of disagreement over that, to put it to put it mildly, and Last point, so check that podcast out, uh, the Sean Sandover Show, Sean's Hot Take, Vaccines in Afghanistan. If you haven't listened to it yet, that's a good one uh, where I talk about that more in depth. Last point on that is that all, by all accounts, the major news sources, everyone seems to be indicating that it's all but certain that President Trump is intending to run for president again in 2024. And I know that's still about three years out, but there was just a poll release that actually showed President Trump beating President Biden in a hypothetical rematch. And uh, of course, we don't know if it'll be President Biden or if it'll be who else will be the Democratic nominee. But even the the news media is known for their biased and often inaccurate polling, often skewed to the Democratic side. And even they are indicating that Joe Biden is at somewhere between 39 and 41 percent approval rating with everything going on from our rapid inflation and skyrocketing prices, a, a growing border crisis, foreign policy failures, including Afghanistan, slow economic recovery. COVID is, is you know, we're having difficulties with the COVID situation. So he's at 39, somewhere between 39 and 41% approval. And I'm actually have not, I have actually have not heard very many people who are expressing much public support for Joe Biden. So if those are, if you're one of those 39 to 41%, I'm interested to know who they are. So feel free to reach out to me. You can email me at hello at the show.com H-E-L-L-O at the show.com And let me know if you're part of that 39% because I can't seem to find them very much. I, 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 I respect different, differing opinions, but I just I find that it's that high to be surprising, honestly, the, based on the way things are going. And I, I again, I talked a lot about that in my last episode, so I will point you back to that. But that that's the situation there. So so now I want to switch gears and take a break from politics and get into some financial advice. And as as you may know, I have a finance degree from the University of Illinois, and one of my concentrations or one of my focuses there was personal financial wealth and personal financial planning and personal wealth management. I did a lot of work in real estate, studying, and personal finance when I was at U of I. And that was one of my plans was to become a personal financial coach or personal financial planner, things like that. And then of course now I'm in law school and I've, I've continued on that, that specialization and that concentration where I'm focusing on more financial types of matters. So real estate transactions, business planning, 
estate planning, asset protection, asset planning, real estate, and even on the on the criminal side, I'm currently in uh, white collar crime. So that is my focus area, and I intend to practice in that at least part time once I get out of law school. So I will, I will, I, I'm hoping as of right now to continue running, helping to run our business, and then doing some part-time financial and legal work with individual clients, which I'll begin once I'm out of law school. I will also add that during the past four years or so, I have worked with about 10 or so clients, usually on a, on a pro bono or, or a free basis. I just help people, you know, they, they all tend to be around my age or friends. I help them create a budget. I help them figure out what their next financial steps are. I help them figure out if it's if it's time to invest, if so, how to invest and how much and what might be good options for them. And a lot of people who have implemented that advice have seen success. So so I've, I've gained some valuable experience working with them. And of course, like I said, I did that for, for free, both to help them and also just give myself some experience and build some 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 confidence in, in discussing those matters some more. So I have experience in this. It's what I've gone to school for. It's what I intend to practice in. And now I'm gonna, I just wanna provide some basic overview information about different investment accounts. And uh, I, I, wanna, I wanna provide a disclaimer that this is not intended as legal advice. This is strictly financial information and, and opinion and commentary. And I have to be careful given my position as a law student, especially a third year law student, that I don't wanna give the optics that I am providing legal advice because there's very strong ethical rules about the unauthorized practice of law. And because I am so close to being a licensed attorney, I just want to make sure that I am fully waiting until that time. So that's that's even though even though I can give financial advice, sometimes the line between legal and finance can become blurred. And so given my position as a law student, I want to make sure I make that disclaimer that I am at this time not a attorney yet, hope to be this time next year. And so I'm not intending this as legal advice, but instead as financial information and some and some some basic financial advice. So hopefully you find this helpful, and I will look forward to working with hopefully some of you starting this time around this time next year on a, on a more uh, on a client basis. Okay, so let's get into the discussion about the different types of investment and or retirement accounts. So you're often hear the terms. IRA, 401k, mutual fund, the brokerage account would be another one. So those are kind of the kind of terms you're going to be hearing and you may be wondering, okay, what are those? When do those potentially apply to me? Let's start with the terms traditional and Roth. Okay. Traditional and Roth. So you'll, you'll hear things like a traditional IRA, a Roth IRA, a traditional 401k, a Roth 401k. So we want to learn the difference between traditional and Roth. One of the key differences between traditional accounts and Roth accounts, that's R-O-T-H, is the tax treatment of the money going into the investment accounts. So typically with a traditional account, you get the tax break up front, which means that the money is invested into the account prior to your taxes being deducted 
from your income. So to provide you with an example, if somebody makes $100,000 a year in a traditional account, they can then put, let's say, $5,000 into the traditional 401k or the traditional IRA, and then that gets deducted pre-tax from the 100,000. So now we're at 100,000 minus 5,000 equals 95,000. And then at that point, that $95,000 number is a number that you're taxed on. So you get that full 5,000 that gets to be invested into the accounts in the traditional setting. However, when you take that money out in retirement, you are then taxed on all of that in a traditional account. With a Roth, oftentimes, you get taxed on the $100,000 in annual income using, using the example where you make $100,000 annually. With the Roth, you get taxed up front. So right now, that goes down to your net income. So let's say, let's say after taxes on the $100,000, you now have $85,000. Then you invest the $5,000 into the Roth. So you're at 80, but you've that's that's after tax dollars. So you've already paid the taxes on that. You put the 5,000 in there, and then that principle that you put into that account is not taxed later, nor are the earnings on that in a Roth. So your principle and earnings grow tax-free, and when you withdraw the money, you don't owe taxes because you already paid it up front and, and under the, the statute that created the Roth, the earnings grow tax-free. It's a way to incentivize people to build a retirement savings. It's a, it's a social safety net that the government came up with. Okay, so traditional and Roth, it really they really primarily differ on the tax treatment, on when the money gets taxed. So like I said, with the traditional, the money gets taxed later so you get the upfront tax break it goes in pre-tax into the accounts whereas with the Roth you get taxed now at your at your income at your tax rate now then you invest those after-tax dollars into the account and later on you're not you're not taxed so on that note in general if you think you'll be in a higher tax bracket when you retire a Roth account may be the better choice you'll pay the taxes now at a lower rate and when you withdraw the funds later, they'll be tax-free when you're in the higher tax bracket. So you won't just pay taxes on them later. On the flip side of that, if you expect to be in a lower tax bracket during retirement, a traditional account might make the most financial sense because you'll get to have the tax benefits today by not paying taxes on them now, investing the money instead, and later in retirement when you withdraw, you'll be in a lower tax bracket and you have a lower tax rate than you would have had, than you would have paid today. So it really, this really depends on your financial situation, which is why I'm just giving the basic overview today. Meet with an attorney or an investment professional to talk about your situation. And like I said, when I get through law school and get everything settled in, I would love to, to meet with you as well and talk about your situation. But that's really the difference between traditional and Roth, that tax treatment. If you have other questions on that, e email me 
And that goes for anything I say here. I'm just going to, I'm trying to, to explain it in the most simple way that I can. Uh, it, it can be complicated to some people who have never, never learned about it before. So another, other two big terms that you will hear a lot is IRA and 401k. And you can combine traditional and Roth. So there's traditional IRA, Roth IRA, traditional 401k, traditional or Roth 401k. Okay. Traditional Roth 401k IRA. So a 401k is a tax deferred retirement savings account offered by employers to their employees. Employees contribute money to their account via elective salary deferrals, meaning a percentage of their salary is withheld and contributed to the 401k. So going back to the $100,000 example, if you have a $100,000 salary, you can participate in your employer-sponsored 401k and the money gets deposited into that. Typically, this is in the traditional since I talked about earlier. So it's a tax-deferred retirement savings account. You are not taxed until later on when you withdraw the money in the 401k. It goes in pre-tax. So you want to put in 5000 5000 immediately goes off the 100000 and then your taxes are deducted from the 95000 that's left. But then you're taxed later on that growth and on that 5000 plus earnings later on when you withdraw the money from the 401k. An IRA stands for an individual retirement account. And that is a savings account with tax advantages that individuals can use to save and invest long-term. An IRA is similar to a 401k account. However, the 401k plan is an employee benefit, as we just discussed, that can be obtained only through an employer. So any person with earned income can open an IRA, a retirement savings account, in order to save long-term and enjoy the tax benefits that they offer. An IRA can be obtained through a bank, an investment company, an online brokerage, or a personal broker. So when I use the term 401k, that actually is referencing the part of the tax code where this retirement vehicle was created. That often is the case with private employers and employees, certain people that work for the government or, or different types of charity organizations. You might hear something like a 403b. That's again, another type of retirement account. So these are retirement accounts that you, that have certain tax benefits to them, either currently or in the future that the government has created. One key difference between the IRA and the 401k is, first of all, some people might not have the option of a 401k depending on where they work or what they do for a living. You also may have more control and flexibility with an IRA compared to the 401k. Because the 401k is an employer-sponsored plan, there's usually not much you you can do with it to, to alter it, whereas you may have more flexibility with the IRA. The benefit of the 401k is oftentimes employers off, offer a match. So they'll match up to, for example, 3% of what you put in. So using $100,000, if you put in 3,000, the employer will match another 3,000. So each year you'll put 6,000 into the employer 401k plan. So those are just some those are just some basic differences there. So now I'm going to combine some of the terms that we discussed and I'm going to compare and contrast a traditional 401k with a Roth IRA. So with a traditional 401k, there's the upfront tax break. You put in you put in the money pre-tax. Then 
you are taxed as ordinary income at your ordinary income tax rate when you withdraw the money. So this may not be beneficial if your tax rate in retirement is going to be higher. One benefit to the 401k versus the Roth IRA is that there's higher contribution limits. You're able to contribute more to your 401k than you are to a Roth IRA. So Roth, for people who are under the age of 50, is limited to $6,000 per year. The other big difference between a traditional 401k and a Roth IRA is that there are income limits. So there are no income limits, meaning like your max income you can make. There's no income limit on contributing to a, to, a, to a traditional 401k. However, with a Roth IRA, there are income limits. So if you are a single person and you make $125,000 a year or more, you the amount that you can contribute to a Roth gets reduced. If you're married, it's $198,000 or more. And then you are, it phases out and you're not able to contribute to a Roth account anymore. Another key element between the traditional 401ks and the Roth IRAs is when you can withdraw your funds. So both have a key age of 59 and a half. So with a traditional 401k, you are not able to withdraw your funds without a penalty until you are age 59 and a half. With the Roth IRA, you can withdraw at any time anything that you put in, so anything that you contributed. However, you cannot touch anything that was earned, so the earnings on your investments, until you're 59 and a half without incurring a penalty. Again, as I mentioned earlier, IRAs typically have more investment choices and more flexibility than 401ks. They're a bit more limited. IRAs can be done by yourself. 401ks are through your employer. And with a 401k at a certain age, which I believe is 72, you are required to begin taking out distributions. Whereas with a Roth IRA, you don't ever have to take out your distribution. So if you don't need the money and you want to leave it for your for inheritance or, or for whatever, you don't, you're not required to begin pulling money out after a certain age. However, keep in mind that with both of these retirement accounts, it does tend to lock up your money until you're 59 and a half. That's with the 401k. Now with the Roth, as I mentioned, you can take out what you put in, but you can't touch any of your earnings. So one thing that you may want to consider, which is something I like to do because I, I like to have flexibility of my cash, is consider a mutual fund or a tip or a or an individual brokerage account. So, you know, forget these retirement accounts. Just you could just you could consider just opening a, a basic investment or brokerage account, either through an investment advisor or on your own. There are services uh, online where you can where you can do that. Very reputable brands. You can do it on your own and sometimes you can save on fees although you know I certainly would recommend talking to a to an investment advisor or or an attorney of some sort to get to get advice on on this type of stuff but you could consider a mutual fund so there's no it's not a retirement account where you have to start pulling out money at a certain age or where you can't pull out money until a certain age a, a brokerage account you can access your cash at any time and so a lot of times you'll hear the term mutual fund. Well, what is a mutual fund? A mutual fund is an investment that pulls money from investors to purchase stocks, bonds, and other assets. A mutual fund aims to create a more diversified portfolio than the average investor could on their own. Mutual funds have professional fund managers buy the securities for you. So a mutual fund is a pool of stocks. 
And oftentimes you wanna make sure you're diversified with different kinds of stocks. So you might have stocks that are more aggressive, stocks that are less aggressive, stocks from invest from international countries, stocks that have income and dividends. And so you'll want a very diversified portfolio to protect against risk. For example, if you're only invested in one certain industry and that industry goes under or has economic decline, you may be in trouble. So you want to, to protect against that by being diversified with your portfolio. And so an investment advisor can help you with that. Or if you, if you go online to certain uh, financial investment brokerage account providers, you can see past performance of those portfolios that you can invest your money into those mutual funds and see how they've performed over time and what their track record is. And so there's very reputable uh, brands and funds that have been around for a long time that you can look at and make sure you have the information available to you. Because at the end of the day, it's your money. It's not your lawyer's money. It's not your investment advisor's money. It's your money. And so it's very important that you're informed on what you're putting your money into. So as I said, the benefit of just Investing into a standard brokerage account or a mutual fund is that it's much more flexible. You can access your cash at any time. You are often taxed at capital the capital gains rates, which may or may not be lower than your ordinary income rates. The the the, the difficulty with that or the or the the con of that is that you're taxed both when you put your money in and when you put your money take your money out. So what I mean by that is with the $100,000 salary example, you invest into a mutual fund after all your taxes are deducted. So let's say you walk away with 85,000 out of 100. Then you put money into the mutual fund. So you've already been taxed on that money. So you're taxed when you put it in, and then when that money grows in the, the, the mutual fund, those earnings are gonna be taxed as well. So you're taxed in and you're taxed out. Whereas with the Roth, if you remember, Yes, you're taxed after with the after-tax dollars you put in, but all of your earnings grow tax-free. However, with the Roth, there are contribution limits. You can only contribute a certain amount per year, $6,000 in most cases. With the mutual fund, you can, you can invest a lot. It's, it's unlimited how much you can put in mutual funds and brokerage accounts. So I know I threw a lot of terms out, traditional Roth, IRA, 401k, mutual fund, brokerage accounts. The thing to remember is that these accounts differ in how they are taxed and they differ on certain limits such as when you can contribute money to them, when you can withdraw money from them, and how the earnings are taxed, so the tax treatment as I, as I just mentioned. So before I close here, it might be helpful if I, if I go through an example, and I'm, I'm gonna actually use what my brother does uh, with with his current plan. He is in, he's, he's an attorney, he is currently he just turned 27, so I'm gonna share what he does. I'm gonna I'm gonna say his salary is $100,000 just for easy math. So in this example, I'm gonna tell you what my brother does, and we're gonna say for his salary that's $100,000. So his work has a 401k plan, and they will match 3% of what you put in. So what my brother chooses to do is he takes advantage of that employer match. He participates in the 401k plan of 3%. So using $100,000 as the salary, he'll put $3,000 per year into the 401k plan. And then the employer matches another 3,000. So each year, again, going off the $100,000 number, which is, which is made up just for example, my brother invests $7,000 
$6,000 into the traditional 401k plan from his employer. And that's pre-tax dollars. So he's not able to touch that money until he's 59 when it builds up. And at that point, that those withdrawals will be taxed at his income, his ordinary income tax rate at that time. One of my brother's concerns is that when he's that right now he's at his lowest tax rate he'll ever be. He hopes to be earning a lot at age 59 and older. And so he thinks he's going to be in a really high tax rate. And so he only chooses to put the 3% in up to that 3% match in the 401k because he doesn't want to put any more in because he thinks he's going to be at a higher tax rate later on. So what he instead chooses to do is then let his, from the 97,000 a year, so $100,000 starting, 3,000 goes in, 3,000 is matched. He's left with the $97,000. Then that money is taxed. And once he's paid the taxes on that, he then participates in the, in, in a Roth account which he tries to fund the entire 6,000 annual limit to. So from the 97,000, he then funds a Roth IRA with the 6,000 annual limit. And because he funded that with after-tax dollars, none of that will be taxed. And because it's a Roth account, the earnings will not be taxed either. So that 6,000 a year can now grow tax-free. And when he's 59 and a half, he can begin withdrawing both what he put in and his earnings. Or if you want some of the money out before then, remember on a Roth account, you can withdraw what you put in. You can't withdraw your earnings without penalty, but you can withdraw what you put in. So he's doing the 401k employer match of 3%. So he's getting a full $6,000 into the the 401k, which is 3,000 off of 100, 3,000 and 3,000 makes 6,000. And then from that point on, he's taxed on his money. And then he goes, goes ahead and does the full 6000 again into the Roth account. And all of that will grow tax-free and you won't have to pay taxes on that when he, begins with, when he begins withdrawing. Then on top of that, if there's money left over and depending on your circumstances, if you're, you know, maybe you're buy, doing a house or whatever, you'll have extra money. You can, then, you can then open a brokerage account, which is what I talked about, a mutual fund, a brokerage account. You can invest in real estate. You can invest in your own personal residence. You can invest in business ventures. So after after that, depending on how much money you make, you may want to consider doing a, a standard mutual fund or brokerage account where where you where you have a lot of flexibility and you can access your money and your cash at any time without penalty. So again, as you can see, these these things can be very complex. I know that was a lot, and so definitely if if you feel like you need more assistance. Feel free to reach out to me. You can email me, hello at theshawnsandifershow.com or you can message me on social media, Instagram at seansandifer, TikTok at seansandifer. We can talk about some of these things. And of course, once I get through law school and and hopefully become licensed uh, as an attorney, I'm going to be planning to focus on these areas and work with clients directly uh, to get their, their financial affairs in order, their legal affairs in order, and wherever those two industries kind of intersect. So I look forward to being able to to work with some of you, hopefully who are listening, uh, starting around this time next year. So I, I would love to, to work with you and help you get your, your affairs in order. So with that, hopefully you found this to be helpful and informative. This episode is on basic investment and retirement account overview. And I'll be back with y'all in a couple weeks with my next episode 
This is the Sean Sandifer Show. Thank you all for listening. I'm Sean Sandifer, your host. Talk to you all again next time.